the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. Welcome to the USL Show, um, a show that covers the championship side of things in the United Soccer League. And boy, howdy, we've finally got some things to talk about today. Um, I guess all this week, really, we've had stuff to talk about. Anyway, I should stop talking so that I can introduce everybody. Hiya, Evan here, favorite cheesemonger's favorite cheesemonger, this, that, and the third. Uh, joined by the usual suspects, Ryan Allen's here. Hello, how is everyone doing tonight? Not bad. How about yourself? doing okay uh, helps it helps uh technical difficulties notwithstanding he is in fact here it's pony yeah finally made it work apparently my work setup does not like my yeah. soccer setup who knew who knew um I, I think more people wish that that would be the case as evident by a couple of tweets this week by some social media managers of usl team accounts <laughs> I won't name names. Uh, and and Alan Underwood is also here as as he always is. What's up? Yeah, yeah. How's it going? It's great. Spring break, so yeah. Did you did you guys miss trialist number six as much as I? Like, isn't that nice to just see? Yes, but also it's more like fun when trialist six go for it. I just think it's like, uh, just be careful about which trialist joke you're running into the ground, but it is nice to see that, that back. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, when trialist number six turns out to be actually someone who's important in the league. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Nashville and their most recent friendly had a trialist on their team. At the 10, too. Yeah. And then what was it, the Riverhounds, I think, today, or, or most recently, they had a, a, one of their development academy coaches fill in? There was one match last year that Tormenta didn't have a full bench, but then they Good. posted a photo, a video of their front office all <laughs> taking penalty shots, and uh, uh, Home Sweet Soccer, or Jason Weintraub, a uh, friend of the show, and posted it, it's like, yeah, this video proves that you could have filled out an entire bench based on Mm -hmm. these shots yeah yeah um and then i also forgot speaking of the riverhounds that josh gatt came back from dundalk in uh the league of ireland and is now with the riverhounds played a friendly in the snow yeah they did anyway it's april it is and uh we've got a schedule Guys, do we want to start there? Or do we want to start with the like kind of more important thing that I didn't think was gonna? I think we'll we'll start with the not important, the the more important thing that I didn't think was gonna happen is that the Charlotte Independents are selling, um, at least Dan D'Amico's uh, shares to whoever wants them. I imagine at this point, um, which, admittedly, I, I think I've said in private many times, uh, and now that it it won't really matter. I, I honestly, after a year and some change, didn't think it was going to happen. 
Um, I, I thought that the league and and Charlotte's front office were just going to try to wait out Goose and a couple other people being really mad um, and just sort of play a weird prolonged game of chicken um, and just kind of let it play its course. Um, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong. And uh, it looks like there'll be some new ownership in Charlotte. Whether or not that matters, I guess, is a whole other conversation um, that might be more beneficial or easier to have kind of halfway through the season when things sort of shape out a little better. But this is at least nice news. I guess Ryan's a resident Carolinian. It's good news that he's uh, selling. It uh, it's certainly been a tumultuous scene within the Charlotte uh, soccer scene. If you've mm-hmm. seen from the uh, PSLs that happens with Charlotte FC, and then yeah. everything that's happened with Charlotte Independence, it's uh, it's just great that he's selling. Yeah, I mean, I agree. To me, this is just the getting the neutrals back on board. When Charlotte was newer and when they were a brand new team, this is one of the East teams I liked. And what D'Amico did turned them from a team I wanted to see do good to a team that, despite me liking the fan liking the fan base, I wanted them to lose. And I think this move is a good thing to get all the neutrals back on their side. So we'll see how this goes from there and who takes over it, but this could only be a good thing. Especially as they move to Memorial. I mean, it's also, you you look at all of the work that the players on the pitch have done off of the pitch regarding, you know, social justice and racial equity and those kind of things to have Mm -hmm. an owner be known for what he was known for with all of the good those players did. It was very... It was a conundrum of, I want to support the players, but how do I support the players without supporting that team? Um, it, it, also sh- yeah, yeah. it also shows the importance of, you know, when you see something that pisses you off or doesn't represent your club to say something, it doesn't always work out. But if you continue to organize and continue to build that community and put pressure, um, that things do actually happen in a good way. We just have to keep at it because we've been at it for quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. Goose has been at it for quite some time, and Dude. he's he's been excellent. It, yeah. I just no other words. He's just been excellent. Yeah, all the um, <laughs> Jack's militia guys. Uh, hopefully, no one that's listening to this or in general bought a subscription to the Jack's Brigade as they were called I believe because you might want to try to get your money back off that one but yeah, uh, yeah credit to, to Goose and, and uh, Jason and, and a couple other just everybody else in that situation because yeah Alan like you were saying like it's really hard to support Hugh and Brandon and you know like like the guys on the team without having to support the team um, and I've gotten really good at that. Phil Grooms has gotten really good at that. Um, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting to, to have to do one without the other. Ryan God. 
Yeah, it's just uh, making props. Yeah, Ryan's props, gotten uh, great at that. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Uh, it's just major props to Goose and everyone in Charlotte yeah. for what they have gone through so far and to uh, come out at the other side. But uh, just huge respect to every to Goose and everyone. Yeah, I mean, they've all done a good job of doing what they need to do and more power to them. I mean, it's a lot of respect to be able to support a team whose owner you don't support because you can't just abandon your players and they've done a good job of Right. Making a good middle ground and all that. Uh, I I think this will take up the, the the least amount of time, so I'll just say it to a surprise of nobody. Um, and I, I'm sure everyone's tired of this being in the news cycle, but the uh, U.S. has missed out on another Olympics. So you know the the catch 52 i suppose of sending all your best u23s abroad and then not having them available for international competition during a pandemic has derailed this season's olympic qualifying among other things coaching uh john hackworth please come take over this u23 team for a couple reasons um oh man it's not great yeah christ is not going to be coaching the team going forward or it shouldn't be. True, but I mean, I think people also underestimate how good Honduras' under-23 team is because they are Very legitimately good. Very a good exactly. team. Because aren't they on, like, five straight uh, Olympics made at this point? They finished fourth in the last yeah. Olympics. Right, yeah. That, I mean, Losing 2-1 to, to a very, good very team. good team is, is not the end of the world. I mean, would you like mm -hmm. to win? Yes. Is that one goal loss to a team who's going to go on to basically lose Mexico on penalties bad? No. But it's just frustrating because I think the U.S. is a clearly the third best team in CONCACAF and they just can't get the mm. right draws for their qualifiers. Yeah, but I mean I think on the flip side, some of it is we've been spoiled by the women's national team that they just keep winning. And we expect the men to be equal yeah. to that when there isn't, there's probably no other sport in the world that has as much parity as professional soccer does. Um, as far as the amount of countries who play at a high enough level to qualify for these tournaments, that, you know, every other sport we watch them, you know, men's and women's compete in for Olympics, it's, you know, limited amount of countries who are at a high level. And the United States tends to be a high level in, in a lot of these. But, I mean, you look at some of, like, the, the, the skiing sports in the Winter Olympics, the, the United States is happy if they finish in 20th. And so I think with men's soccer, we need to kind of recalibrate our expectations based on actual reality as opposed to we're United States, we're great at everything. It's When it comes to men's soccer, we're United States and we're pretty average. Um, and pretty average teams qualify for the olympics every once in a while uh but you know when you're up against countries who tend to prioritize these tournaments um through their systems uh, i think there's a tweet that showed like all of the preparation games that mexico plays versus the united states i think that plays a lot of part in it as well as you can have that excuse of these guys haven't played competitively but whose fault is that when you have the ability mm. to uh, schedule friendlies when you want to um, or I, I just think that there's kind of a top-down approach to we need if we want to prioritize the Olympics, let's prioritize it and make sure we're set up for success. 
and then we can kind of talk about the players on the pitch. But when they're not set up for success, don't be surprised when you lose to Honduras because they are good. Hell, I don't even think that some nations even prioritize the Olympics. Belgium, who is the current right. FIFA ranking number one in the world, has qualified for the Olympics once in the past 50 years. Mm-hmm. And the last time they qualified was in 1970. Italy last qualified in 2008, like us. The last three World Cup champions, France, Germany, France, Germany, and Spain, all missed the Olympics before they qualified, before they won the World Cup. I'd honestly don't think it's like yes it sucks that we missed the olympics for a, a third consecutive year but i there are some nations that it, it's just not as big a deal that we miss the olympics there it just it, it just isn't yeah i mean the u.s is the team that is the third or fourth best u23 team in Concacaf. when only two teams go on they're not going to make it every year three years straight is frustrating but it's still somewhat within the range of acceptable like if it continues to go on something needs to change but this isn't a team that should be making it every year they're a team that is maybe like 30 to 40 percent chance of making it every year until it gets better at a local level and when you have a lot of usl players on your u23 team that's not gonna necessarily be the winning formula Yeah, if we miss Paris 2024, then it starts becoming a concern to go forward without it. Although, to be fair, uh, France, before they qualified before this year, had missed every single Olympics since Atlanta in 1996, and they mm. still managed to win two World Cups in that time. Yeah. They did qualify for this year, to uh, clarify. Yeah. I, I wonder if it would be it would be a little bit easier to take if everyone was a little more optimistic about the first team too. You know, like I, I don't know. I'm optimistic about the first team. Yeah. If, if you had flipped to the result and said that we had beat Honduras to qualify for the Olympics but lost to the Northern Ireland, people would have said people would have freaked out that we were losing to Northern Ireland and yeah. just would have shrugged at us qualifying to the Olympics. Yeah, because I think. Part of the thing is is controversy sells, and you got not to you know yeah. criticize folks who do this for a living, but you got Taylor Twelman essentially establishing himself as the "what are we doing" guy, uh, celebrating successes, and then being level-headed yeah. about the reality of not qualifying for the Olympics is not how you dr- drum up drama to get clicks and looks. Right. So. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of that too, where I think it's a, it is a little bit over the top as far as negativity from the folks who get paid to do those things. But if you look at the sports landscape, that's what it is. It's either things are going really well, or you're screaming into a microphone about what are we doing here. And I, you know, I think that first speech was genuine and probably a, a pretty good takedown mm-hmm. of this of where we are. But I think if you keep doing it you lose all of the nuance about actually fixing the problem mm-hmm. screaming into the void yeah kind of uh speaking of the federation well kind of, i wish i wish they'd do something about this shit uh the us not open cup is the thing and like i 
I, I said it on Views in the Bridge earlier this week when we talked to John Arnold of, of GitConcaCaf, but like the U.S. Open Cup has never been good at logistics. And, and given that they can't figure out how to get the amateur teams to play nice regional fixtures and then force all of the USL, NISA, MLS teams to play like the same four teams every year, um, that wasn't going to get better with COVID. Um, but this is this is weird. This is goofy. I, and it's funny because I thought that the first announcement they made where it was like, oh, if this ends up happening, then it's going to be this was kind of this announcement. So when they were like, oh, yeah, it's only going to be these teams. I was like, well, yeah, that's what you guys said, like, you know, a month ago. But I didn't realize that it was like a we're going to try to play a first round. And then if we can't, or which they should have said, and then when we can't, we're going to cancel that and then just do this. Um yeah, a lot of teams in USL with some gripes. Um, a lot of teams, both tiers of USL with some, uh, I don't know, a sour taste left in their mouths, and that should make the regular season a little more interesting, I think, which will be good for us. But this is not great. I mean, with the round of 16 that we have right now, there are teams who only need a handful of games to get to qualifying for CONCACAF Champions League and mm-hmm. I almost wish that it's a USL or a USL League One or NISA that wins the tournament and qualifies for CONCACAF Champions League just to stick it to the Federation for <laughs> or just making it like this and, and just it it's not an open tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only the only positive I see is it's a couple of games. Uh, a USL team can essentially say, especially the four USL teams that have are going to be playing, is, hey, we can pretty much just say we're going to put our regular season on hold because we think we can pull it out and make the playoffs, but just go all in mm-hmm. on the Open Cup and rotate guys into your regular season. Uh, and, you know, a Tampa Bay, a Phoenix... Louisville, I think those are all teams that can just go full bore and try to make a run at it. Um, that's like the only silver lining I see, which is the same one from last time, but it's still... You have all of these leagues already playing. It's not like the leagues aren't playing. Uh, so it's okay for them to play. It's just not okay for them to run this tournament. And I think that's really what kind of irks some people. I know it's a lot of games, but... I mean, you can't call yourself yeah. an Open Cup and continue to cut who's participating. <laughs> you can't be an open cup with 16 teams, right? Like, that's, that's not how that works. Then you're just the league's cup. Yeah, kind of. Right, more teams made the playoffs in USL the last <laughs> time we had a full season than are playing in the open right. cup. Yeah, so it's... Uh, the four USL championship spots, which I can't really fault them for this, go to the final four teams in the playoffs. So Phoenix, El Paso, Tampa Bay, and Louisville. Uh, which, you know, no Sacramento Republic. Uh, San Antonio. San Antonio's not in. Tulsa's not in. Union Omaha is a shout. 
in the League One side of things, no San Diego. I don't think you could say that's a big let off for any of these teams, though. None of them could say I'm. I should clearly be in instead. I mean, as much as I like some of those teams, were out. No. It's right, just one of right. those where I think they there's a grievance of why did we cut it down this much this year as opposed to we're best four team in the league. Because I think that's the main argument is mm-hmm. some of these teams who are dark horse potentials of, yeah, they can make a run and win two or three games against USL championship teams then maybe even win a game against MLS side. This year they go, yeah, you got nothing, too bad, go home, you don't get a play, and we're moving on from there. I mean, it does eliminate that drama of how they decided the eight teams for the USL, where it was like the winner of each group, and then you got the argument about New Mexico not playing the extra game and all that headache. This is just Mm -hmm. like, nope, all right, we're going to make four, and it's going to be the final four because... We looked, kind of reversed engineered it a little bit. Like, uh, USL League One was the regular season champion, and USL Championship is the final four from the playoffs. And so I think they kind of reversed engineered it to be as clean cut as possible, so there was a little bit less drama. Um, So on that side, it's like I can kind of comprehend why they chose that route. Um, But yeah, you look at, you know, regular season standings, you know, San Antonio outperformed El Paso. Uh, but then you look at the playoffs and they didn't and then you get into the thing about you know well we got eliminated based on this and whatever so there's always going to be somebody upset when you cut down teams and that's why it was beautiful with the open cup is you didn't have to worry about that but now you're creating haves and have nots and there's always going to be a pissed off have not but I think they did try to reverse engineer it as best as possible although the MLS how they decided that is going to be a hot mess it was the points yeah. per game over the first three games, and some teams are only playing two. And to me, that was like the most confusing. That was like we're trying to f- we're yeah. trying to get the best teams in now, so we don't get a Atlanta United again. Yeah, it's none of it makes full sense. I mean, it feels like someone kind of panicked and said, "Okay, we're going to do this to hopefully avoid conflict," and they created new conflict while trying to avoid problems. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess I guess we get to talk schedule because it came out, which is exciting. I, I like when this happens. Uh, and and uh, honestly, I think the biggest takeaway because I have three games that I want to talk about. I don't know if you guys came prepared with anything like that, but what'll be nice? We've got some some interleague play going on here. Um, Louisville City gets to play San Diego Loyal uh, New Mexico United and Charleston Battery play each other for the first time Tulsa moves to the east so we'll, we'll see uh, you know they get to play El Paso in a little bit of a uh, I don't know postseason let's see how that works out in October um, and then Las Vegas and, uh, and Tampa Bay meet for what I believe is the first time at least in regular season play at Cashman on the last one hell of a road trip yeah which is a goofy one um and then obviously the louisville indianapolis proximity association football uh, contest is back and then uh the mac 
is the thing for Indy 11 again. So there's a lot happening here. I have three games in mind. If anyone would like to talk about the schedule as a whole or in general, um, feel free to do it now. I will want to say that Alan posted a very fantastic graph on Twitter showing everyone's interconference matchups, and it was really well done. Uh, All of or all of us retweeted it, so it's on Twitter. It's out there. Thanks. Yeah, for the teams, it's going to be third, fourth, fifth. That is a very important numbers because if you get really unlucky. Yeah. You might have four games against a good side. If you get really lucky, you might have four games where if you don't get ten points, we're going to laugh at you. So these interconference games are going to be very important, as they always are. Yeah. Las Vegas with the toughest slate, in my opinion. I mean, if you have to run into Tampa Bay, New Mexico, and Phoenix, that's... Uh, incredibly difficult. Well, I mean, also yeah. statistically, for a bad team, we're going to play good teams just by comparison. But you know, sorry, El Paso was uh, on that slide as well. You're just making it worse for. That him. doesn't help things for Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I will say, a historically bad team. Who knows if being los angeles football club 2 is gonna help them at all but i mean it can't get much much worse can it so there's that great reveal with the llamas by the way i don't know who's in charge of their social over there but that was good that was arguably the best thing that team's ever done not the helicopter drop that was arguably the worst thing they've ever done besides sign eric winaldo and freddie adu but yeah we can have a whole podcast uh, about bad things vegas has done yeah, we and could. And goodbye, Vegas. Really we'll bonus episode. We'll see you next week. Yeah. yeah. Bonus episode. Uh, the three games that I'm pointing out, two of these are not surprising. One, of, Well, two of them might be surprising. The third one is certainly not. Uh, May 8th, Phoenix and Oakland. I, I think that'll be fun to see the Roots for the first time, and they get to open up uh, away, which sucks, but in a big way against Phoenix. Um July 7, Charleston and, and Pittsburgh should be a good one. Um, I like what the battery do. And, uh, you know, the, the Riverheads, it's it's two teams that play a very old but still very effective style of USL soccer. And I, and I like that about them. And then July 23rd, my new favorite team in, in American soccer, the Colorado Springs Switchbacks, who have signed everyone that I've ever met and were liked in the soccering world apart from a few people uh brenda burke gets to try to beat louisville and and his former head coach john hackworth um in regular season play at home in their new stadium jimmy Oxford also gets to to play against louisville city and you know james chambers is over there there's a whole like any narrative that that i could be looking forward to exists within this game on july 23rd of uh, of this year so that'll be an exciting one um man i'm just i get ready for me to turn into a switchbacks fan account is the is the is the plot coming for 2021 
Cause just be careful about that. I tried to do that yeah. the last few years, and as soon as I said they're going to be no, good. see, but I have like weird personal attachment to this one, so it's going to be easier for me, and also more difficult for me. I've been to a Switch Packs game, yeah. and it was lovely. Because Pony, I don't know if you realize, but they're literally just Bethlehem Steel. Yeah, I'm just saying, be careful, because I was a. I said they're going to be good the last two years, and then they did the Switch yeah. Packs thing. No, I know so. I did. I did it last year too, but this one's a little, it, it's a little more, there's more here. It's not just like a, oh, I want them to be good because it's contrarian. It's like, a, I want them to be good because I like a lot of the people that coach that team now, personally. One of these days. Uh, and I might be at a wedding with them in October. <laughs> so that'll be, that's that'll be Watching weird. a wedding and have um, a playoff game at the same time, I mean, that's a win, right? I guess I don't. I don't know. Lord knows. Uh, hey, Alan, you're you're a uh, you made a whole thing about interleague play, and then you're you know San Diego loyal. What's what's going on? How how are we feeling? What are we liking? What are we liking? Um, I really like the Louisville matchup, the the Hackworth Cup, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Morgan. I will. Yeah. I Morgan can. goes to Louisville to play his dad. <laughs> I know there's already some social media about choosing sides. Uh, apparently, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Apparently, Morgan's mom loves Morgan. So, uh, I mean, come on, who who doesn't? I would, I believe that. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think outside of that, that's just an interesting matchup as a San Diego Loyal fan. You want to test yourself against one of the best teams in the East, and you're doing it early on. Uh, you play uh-huh. Phoenix and Louisville as two of your first three matches, I believe. Or at least two of the four first matches. Easy. Uh, so that's an interesting one to me for San Diego. Right. Um, I, th- Ryan, you're probably going to talk about the uh, Charleston Orange County match. Um, if not, that's a- another really fascinating old school USL game, um, which is uh, I'll let Ryan fill you in on all the deets and details of that one because he did a whole thing on it and I don't remember half of it, but. Uh, that one was really intriguing when the schedule came out as far as uh, just a very interesting matchup. Um, and then, you know, obviously the Phoenix-Tampa Bay match of the quasi, uh, what is that, Community Shield almost? The, like uh, a, <laughs> the Community Shield, yeah. It's not really yeah. for the championship or for anything that matters besides just three points, uh, but... You know that's going to be a, a really fun game to watch. Be. Tampa Bay is going to want to show up. Phoenix has got mm-hmm. something to prove. Um, they're not going to get a star or a cup out of it, but you'll definitely get bragging rights and a what could have been uh, matchup at Tampa Bay. I think those are the three that are – I know those are like super West Coast heavy, but, I mean, that's where I live and that's where my brain's been at. Yeah, uh, with that uh, Orange County-Charleston uh, matchup, it's interesting. That's the first time since August thirteenth, 2014, that the two teams had played each other. Back then, Orange County was referred to as the Orange County Blues. I was almost hoping that the rematch this year would happen on the same day, seven years uh, from the first meeting, but unfortunately, the meeting is only occurring on August 28th of this year. But when that last match happened, Dane Kelly had scored two goals for Charleston Battery. 
and uh, Alex Martinez had scored a goal for uh, the Orange County Blues at the time, and Alex Martinez is now working as a scout for uh, Charlotte FC, the MLS scene in uh, Charlotte. But uh, yeah, that was just like a really old school kind of USL matchup to just kind of occur, which I was pretty excited to uh, see, just uh, kind of harken back to the uh, just kind of old USL days of when you had those like just random cross country matchups. I do secretly hope they do some sort of like outdoor hockey special kit like throwback for. I mean, I know that they won't because we don't get fun <laughs> things that often. But I would, sure. I would absolutely adore like right, a, right. A, a a nod to that matchup, like an o- old school OC Blues kit. A interleague play patch or something <laughs> there was one uh matchup between my wilmington hammerheads and the orange county blues that ended in a brawl that happened off camera in the Perfect. 92nd minute so that's that's really how far which we've is, come which is why we don't soccer. get fun things anymore that, that shows you how far we've come as a soccer league and i can completely understand why it never occurred but for the fact that we are having interleague matchups, I was very disappointed that we didn't have Tacoma versus Miami FC, which I think would have been the furthest road trip of any uh, team in uh, in USO, regardless of how who would have been hosting that one. I think this year we have the New York Red Bulls against Slow Stoes as the furthest road trip, I'm guessing. Yeah, that Oakland-Tampa Bay is another pretty close one. But yeah, you get... Mm-hmm. That's that's a long one. Pony, any thoughts? No, I'm trying to think. I don't think of anything else is going to be longer than that. I know Sacramento, New York is another big one, but there's a few mm. West Coast, East Coast games, and like I said, it could be pretty big going forward as... I think a lot of teams who are playing those East Coast, West Coast games are, for lack of a better word, swing, swingy, where they could be very good or very bad any week, and that might determine who makes playoffs or who makes the home game, and it'll be fun to see if it's one of those things where, you know, five months from now we go, wow, how did this team lose this team and that cost them a playoff spot or cost them yeah. a home game? And, you know, nothing like adding a little jet lag to swingy teams to really see how swingy they can be. Oh, yeah, especially that that'll East Coast, be, West Coast. It'll be interesting to see to see if if the, uh, uh, you know, teams go and wa- see what home cooking does the next week or so after those interleague games for some of those teams that have to travel because it could go one of two ways where everyone kind of immediately bounces back or I think what'll end up happening in most cases is where they just kind of end up dropping or at least tying the next game just because they were you know what 3,000 miles the other way yeah even this the ones where you think the east coast game the east coast team plays a game at suddenly at you know noon for them and the west coast game plays the game at like Mm. 8 in the morning because that's just how it worked out for them this week right I mean, El Paso this year has to, uh, or they'll be hosting Indy 11, but they'll also be playing uh, Orange County in that time. Yeah. 
Easy enough. I do like that RJV is going to be playing the Miami FC, and they're one of the two teams that are on uh, one of the closest latitudes in MLS or in USL. Mm-hmm. Anybody have anything else? Say that covered that for me, at least. Silence is gold. I think that, I honestly think that about does it. I guess right? you could say who's going to be the dark horse for you each this year for each person. I'm just going to lock down and, um, you know, I'm probably going to jinx him, but. Tulsa. I think yeah. Tulsa legitimately could be a top three or four team in the East. In the East. I, I, I really like Oakland's recent additions. I'm going to be biased and say I'm at least very curious about what's happening in Colorado Springs for obvious reasons that I've covered previously. Um, and then the Charleston Battery, I think, have done a good job at keeping just about everybody that was on their team last year and then adding some nice pieces. Um, and they have that that partnership with, the, with what is it, Hearts in, uh, in Scotland. Um, Hibs. Hibs is Hibs. a Hibernian. I'm sorry. I apologize to Hibernian. Um, so we'll see if that bears fruit and what kind of happens there. Uh, and I, 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 I mean, they're a very solid defensive team that has a very solid now uh, two-time captain, AJ Patterson, hanging out in their ranks uh, of the, the Granada national team. So that that only helps. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know, Alan. Do you have any like initial dark um, horses? I'm going to make an argument that Tulsa really isn't that big of a dark horse. They finished second in their group last year that's fair and then if you look at the teams are playing in the central like birmingham indy louisville you can be like oh. all right they're pretty solid teams that are probably going to finish in the top four then outside of that you have atlanta two you have memphis who finished last in their group last year uh, you have kansas city who finished last in their group last year uh and then you have okc um who is like a okay team but I, I think you know Tulsa. Yeah. It's I think playoffs is theirs to lose for sure. Looking at the start of the season, um, as far as mm-hmm. their their play last year and what kind of where they were in that group, I think they're in that same position last year where they just have to figure out a way to not lose the playoff spot. If that makes sense, because I think that's kind of how it was. Like Tulsa OKC were kind of battling for who won't make the playoffs. I think Tulsa and OKC are going to be in that same position. Um, I do the same reason in with Colorado Springs in the mountain. You have El Paso, New Mexico, and San Antonio. And then you're kind of a toss-up between mm-hmm. Colorado Springs, Austin, and then it, how how is Real Monarchs going to look? Or RGV going to bounce back? Uh, you know, but Colorado Springs has a really good shot. They have that inside lane, I believe, over Austin on making that playoff spot. Um, Pacific Division, oof, good luck. Um, I'm not going to pick any any dark horses in that one because I don't want to piss off anybody. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the Atlantic's going to be the fun one to watch for me because I don't have any emotional investment in any of those teams. So it's just going to be a... I think that one's going to be a poop show. 
as far as them beating each other up and you're going to get some weird road losses and weird home losses um but i do i always really like charleston as a team and a franchise and i i agree i think they're a going to be a fun team to pay attention to uh in that division um yeah yeah i mean at least me if you were talking tulsa again i think tulsa is more likely to finish ahead of indy and finish second in their conference than they are to drop to fourth i mean tulsa last year was underrated and this year they got a favorable draw and they're kind are underrated i mean if you're saying if, if, if i just say tulsa finishes second or fourth i'm picking second and i don't think i'm really going to think about that too much because they are very good and they are so close to being maybe not an elite team but a team who you do not want to see come playoffs that's where they're at to me right now they are a scary team and they got a great draw and they should take out everybody except louisville and maybe indy We're smarter than we used to be. <laughs> if nothing else, that's I questionable. Think, you know, we're but, like, you know. uh, well, defending uh, we champions can... of the USL pick them. Yeah, I mean it's true. Yeah, come come to us and we'll sort you out. You know, I mean that's that's how that the balls in the balls in everyone else's court. Like we have right of first refusal because we we won last year. I think that's how that works. Um, yeah. So until until next week, I guess, because we don't have anything else on the agenda. Therefore, we don't have anything else to talk about. We can find something between the four of us. We always can. But for the sake of the viewing, the listening, <laughs> the listening public uh, at home, we won't. Um, so until next week, uh, lovely to chat with all three of you. Um, I'm very curious about New Mexico United's project with uh, Omega Mart and their time-traveling ham that will have been a thing the week that the weekend that you're listening to this. Um, that club is bizarre in a great way. Uh, but until then, for, for Ryan, for Alan, for Pony, uh, I've been your host as most of the time, Evvalala, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Take care.